You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. from his superiors and he added authority to his soldiers. And so he was seeing how he recognized authority so he knew that the authority that Jesus had can reach out and uh, heal his servants. So we're going to do the same authority that Jesus gave us and pray for Jackie, even though she's not here, that she will be healed from afar. So Heavenly Father, we just lift this up to you, Lord, and we just praise you, Lord, that we can come to you and ask you to bestow the authority on us to heal Jackie, to heal her 110%, Lord. And, Lord, we just praise you. We just thank you that you're going to do this, Lord. You're going to take them spots off her liver and just remove them. The next time she goes to the doctors, they will not find them there because the, the blood of Jesus Christ is upon her. The blood of Jesus Christ heals her. And we just want to lift this up, Lord, and, and whatever... You know, them things are, Lord, they're gone. They're gone by the authority of Jesus Christ and by the authority that he has given to us to lift us up in prayer and ask. And we're asking you, Father, we're asking you, Father, that this is be, be removed. We bind these spots in Jesus' name and we loosen healing on, the, on her liver in Jesus' name. And we have the, you gave us the authority to do that and we decree this in your name. The, blood, the stripes of Jesus has, will heal her, you know, and the blood of Jesus will just take them away. And, Lord, we're just, gonna, we're just excited to hear good news that you're going to come back with us, and they're gone. They're gone. The doctors can't find them no more. And we just want to lift this up in the holy, holy name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Is this thing on? Everybody hear me? Hi, it is on. Cool. So I speak um, on behalf of Pastor Hubble a, a bunch throughout the year, usually when he has it's a couple holidays when he works for Reuters. And it's, so I kind of planned already on speaking this Sunday. And the word that the Lord had gave me, I, it usually falls around the holiday. So the, Lord, the, the word the Lord had gave me originally was love and the love of Jesus for us. So I had, in my mind, I had a big plan on, you know, that's what I was going to speak on today. And then, you know how they say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Pauline approached me about a vision that she had had over the past couple years or months or whatever. And she finally, the Lord told her, hey, it's time to speak on this. It's time to tell the congregation, tell the people. So she was like, does this fit into your thing? And I'm like, 
She let me read her thing, and I was like, not really, but I'll work with it. So that's what I did. I had to switch it all up, and that's the way God works in our lives also. We have a plan for our life, and God will come along and be like, no, that's not the plan that I have for you. So another um, catchphrase is be careful what you wish for. A lot of times we wish for certain, certain things, and God will give that to us, but then he also teaches us out of that. We're supposed to be careful of what our heart desires. God, in the Bible, says God says he will give us what our heart desires. Now, God gives us free will also, so therefore, if we desire something good, he'll give that to us as a reward for our, our obedience to him and us wanting to be with him. If we desire things that aren't good for us, we have free will. He'll give it to us. However, he'll use that to teach us and to discipline us into obedience for him. In Genesis 29, 21 through 25, finally the time came for him to marry her. They're talking about Jacob um, and I think it was um, Rebecca or Rachel. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. Laban had tricked him and gave him Leah to sleep with or be with instead of Rachel. What have you done to me, Jacob, raged at Laban? I worked for seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? A lot of times we want things in our lives, and we expect them to be like society nowadays, you know, on TV and everything. It's always, you know, you want it, boom, you got it. God teaches us that people often wonder if working a long time for something they desire is worth it. Jacob worked for seven years to marry Rachel. How many of us would work seven years just to obtain one thing? We always want it right now. You know, I worked a a week's wages. I want my week's wages now. After being tricked, he agreed to work seven more years. His love for her must have been so strong that he was willing to work 14 years for this one woman. The most important goals and desires are worth, wake, worth working for and waiting for. Movies and TV shows have created this illusion that people have to wait only about an hour to solve their problems or to get what they want. We're not to be trapped into thinking the same is true in real life. You know, God tells us a lot of times to be patient, to wait. Patience is the hardest when we need it the most. How often do we hear in our, in our lives, be patient, just wait. God's working, just wait, be patient. But it is the key to achieving our goals. A lot of times we get impatient, we want it right now, and we want it now. We can't wait. Psalms 106, 13 through 15 says, Yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, their their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them what they they asked for, but he sent a plague along with it. Again, God will give us what we want, but then he'll also teach us out of it. In the wilderness, the Israelites were so intent on getting the food and water they wanted that they became blind to what God wanted. 
They were more concerned about immediate physical gratification than lasting spiritual satisfaction. They did not want what was best for them, and they refused to trust in God's care and provisions. A lot of times we want things in our lives, whether it be, you know, a nice house, uh, a nice car, maybe to go on vacation or something like that. And a lot of times, I know in, in my life I've done it, you know, I've wanted something and it was a spur to moment. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get that. Okay, I'm going to pay for it. I'll figure it out later on how I'm going to pay for it. We're to be patient and wait on God's timing. God will give us the provisions and the security and everything to get what we want in his time and when he knows that it's best for us. If we complain enough, God may allow us to have what we ask for, even if it's not the best for us. If we're not getting what we want, perhaps God knows it's not in our best interest or that now is not the right time for us. We are to trust in his care provisions, and timing. We can't pick and choose. We can't say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in your timing. However, you know, I need that right now. Proverbs 13, 19 said, it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Whether a dream comes true is good or bad, it depends on the nature of the dream or the desire. It is pleasant to achieve worthwhile goals, but not all goals are worth pursuing to the end. When we set our heart on something, we may lose our ability to assess it objectively. You know, we see people driving around in nice cars or living in nice houses and stuff like that, and we're like, we want that. That's what I want. So we go out and we get that nice car, we get that, buy that nice house, but then we don't have the financial stability to pay for it or to take care of it. And then we end up, either end up having to you know, declare bankruptcy or sell the house or sell the car because we can't do it. We did it on our timing because that's what we wanted. We couldn't look at the picture objectively as, do I have the money for that now? No. Maybe if I you know, pay, take this little bit out of my paycheck and save up, I can have that in three years. Instead, we want it now. With our desire blinding our judgment, we may proceed with an unwise relationship, a wasteful purchase, or a poorly conceived plan. I know for the men, and probably the women too, how many of us have seen the opposite sex and we're like, ooh, hey, I like her, I'm going to go for her. And then we end up, it ends up turning out to be a bad relationship or, you know, we get in trouble or something like that and it's just bad for us. Rather than waiting for the right one. Faithfulness is a virtue, but stubbornness is not. We are to screen our, we are to screen our dreams and desires and allow the Holy Spirit to help us discern what is right before we carry out our plans. Our the pastor's um, sermons lately have been all about praying, praying to God and praying to, you know, get his counsel and stuff like that. We are to do that in everything in our lives, whether it be from the smallest thing, hey, God, what am I going to eat this morning when I wake up, to God, I want this house. Is it right for me? Should I do this? We are to pray in everything. 
even if we're, you know, going down the street and we see a homeless person or something along the road, you know, and we want to stop and we want to give them money, it's a good thing to do, correct? You know, help somebody out that's in need. But pray to God. That person, if we pray to God and God confirms our desire to help that person, then we do it. But if God tells us, hey, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, it might be because, you know, too often nowadays in society, we see people on the corner saying they're homeless and stuff like that. But, you know, if you look down, you see they're wearing a brand new pair of Nikes. Or they have a dog there and four cases of water. So a lot of times, it's not, they're not homeless. They're just trying to get that extra money. They're trying to scheme. God knows that. That's why we are to go to him and pray and seek his counsel. In Genesis 14, 12, the whole story behind this is Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah now. He has all these possessions, sheep and cattle and, you know, family, wealth. Everything that he wanted, he obtained that because that gave him a status in the community. Sodom and Gomorrah gets ransacked. And um, in Genesis 14, 12, it says, They also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything that he had owned. He had mass possessions, you know, servants, cattle, like farm animals, like wealth. Lot's greedy desire for the best of everything led him into a sinful, sinful surroundings. How many people know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Everybody, I think, knows that, right? They're a wicked city, you know, incest, gay relationships, everything, debauchery. They were just completely sinful and not with what God wanted. And Lot was living there. His burning desire for possessions and success cost him his freedom and enjoyment. Because he was so focused on the possessions that he had, the things that he wanted in life, that he lost his true purpose on earth, which was God to seek God's counsel, to live for God. Instead, he lived for himself. He lived for his riches and what he had. As a captive to Gadolomor, he faced torture, slavery, and then death. In much the same way, we can be enticed into doing things or going places we shouldn't. A lot of times we'll have friends that like to go out and party and stuff like that. And we know we shouldn't be doing it. Hey, we've got to work the next morning. But we're enticed to keeping that friendship and to hanging out with those friends that we go do that. And then we end up either waking up hungover and calling off work and get in trouble, or we go to work and then an accident happens because of the decisions we made from the night before. The prosperity we long for is captivating. It can both entice us and enslave us if our motives are not in line with God's desires. You know, friends ask you to go out and be like, okay, well, should I really go out? What's this going to affect? We have to look at the long term and not just the short term pleasure. Yeah, we can go out and have fun that night. We have too much fun. The next day is not going to be very fun for us. However, if we talk to those friends and be like, hey, I really want to go out with you. I would love that. But can we do it next Friday? I don't have to work Saturday. The next day is not going to be affected by it if I go too far. You know, we want to hang out with them. That's something we want to do right now. However, we have to look at the bigger picture. 
can it wait? Does it have to be today or can it go another, you know, week until the end of the week? Proverbs 4, 23 and 25 says, Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Our hearts, our hearts keep us alive. It pumps the blood through our body to the rest of our body, our brain. We can't think without blood flow and oxygen. Our limbs won't move without blood flow to the muscles and the nerves and everything. Our heart is basically the center of our being, the center of our life. Our feelings of love and desire dictate to a great extent how we live. So our heart is going to dictate how we live. Whether we're going to live a greedy life, self-centered, living for ourselves, or if we're going to lead a righteous life, centered on God, with God being at the center of it, and an enjoyable, rich life. Because we always find time to do what we enjoy. My wife can... Um, clarify or um, agree to that because for some reason I always find the time to do what I want to do but a lot of times when there's things that she wants to do it's like oh well, I got to do this I got to do this that's living selfishly and I'll admit I have to work on that Solomon tells us to guard our hearts above all else making sure we concentrate on the desires that will keep us on the right path is it in line with God's plan for our lives is it in line with what God would want us to do? Or is it in line with what Satan would have us do because it keeps us from God? We are to make sure our affections push us in the right direction. Put boundaries on our desires. Don't go after everything that we see. Look straight ahead and keep our eyes fixed on the goals and don't get sidetracked on detours that lead us to sin. Oftentimes, we'll have a set plan, you know, okay, I got to save up, I want to live in this house in five years, you're doing good saving money up and things like that, and then all of a sudden, our buddy comes into work in a brand new Chevy pickup truck, and you've been wanting one for years, and you're like, oh man, I really want that. Well, you know what, I have the money now for that. I was saving up for the house. You know what, I'm going to do that instead. We just got sidetracked, you know, instead of living for that one desire, now we just switched it over to this other desire. We have to think, can we live in that truck? Is that, can our family stay in that truck with us? If something happens, you know, is that, or can you live in that truck? Can you use that truck for other purposes? Or what about a house? A house is a lot better. You can live in that for a while. Mark eleven twenty four, It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you, you've received it, it will be yours. We can. God gives us free will. We can pray for anything. I can pray to walk out that door and my Jeep just turned into a Ferrari. If it happens, I don't know. Probably not because that's not in, God, in line with God's plans. Jesus is our example. We are supposed to be Christ-like. It's, people tell us all that time, you need to be more like Christ. For example, he prayed... Everything is possible for you, or he says, everything is possible for you, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
He prayed to his father and said, hey, I know what I want, but I want what you want. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. We know what we want, but what does God want for us? Our prayers are often motivated by our own interests and desires. We like to hear that we can have anything, but Jesus prayed with God's interests in mind, not his own. If we receive answers to prayer, who will get the credit? Do we get the credit for doing what we wanted to do? Or does God get the credit for us waiting on him and getting it in his time? When we pray, we can express our desires, but we should want God's will above ours. Oftentimes we pray those foxhole prayers, you know, hey God, you know, I really want this car. I don't have the money right now, but can you make this happen? Instead of saying, God, I need a car. Can you please put one in my life? God will put one in your life that he feels is right for you. It might not be that, you know, Ferrari with that 700 horsepower engine and all that other stuff. You know, it might be a little Toyota Camry, but hey, it gets you from point A to point B. It's cheap, and you can save up for something else that he wants in your life. We are to check ourselves to see if our prayers focus on the interest of God. Psalms 97, 10 to 11 says, You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. When we are sincerely determined to please God, our desires will align with his desires. We will love God we will love what God loves and hate what God hates. If we love the Lord, he will, we will hate what displeases him. If we excuse the actions of people who take advantage of others, if we, relate, if we elevate people who only look for themselves, or if we envy those who get ahead using any means, then we have moved away from pleasing God. We learn to love God's ways and resist evil in every form, not only the obvious sins, but also the socially accepted ones. So how do we know what pleases God? How do we know what God hates? I believe there's an instruction manual for that. It's called the Bible. You know, if we, if we get a dishwasher or something like that and something goes wrong with it, what do we go to? We usually go to the owner's manual, you know, find out what's wrong with it. And especially, it's really quick. They make it so easy. You go right to, like, the back page and it says troubleshooting. And then you look down and you go, okay, okay, okay. It's not, the light's blinking. It's not washing. What is that? Light blinking, not washing. Okay, and it says these could be the things that are wrong with it. The Bible's the same way. The Bible has a, most of them have a little concordance in the back. And you go, okay, I want to know what God desires. You go back there and desires, desires. And then you look, it tells you scriptures where desires is in those scriptures. You can go to those scriptures and see, okay, God desires this, God hates this. That's how we find our answers. That, that, that is a good secondary one, but the primary one is prayer. Pray to God. God, this situation came up in my life. You know, 
is this in line with what you want? Is this what you want me to do in my life? Or should I find another way? Should I do another thing? God will tell us. And don't get discouraged if he doesn't answer right away. It's not like talking, you know, like me talking to Steve and say, hey, Steve, I want to go out and shovel the shywalk. Should I do that? Oh, yeah, go ahead. The shovel's out there. Sometimes, you know, God takes a little bit to get back to us because he has to put motions and um, plans in motion and certain, he has to line certain things up to get what he wants for you. If he doesn't answer you right away, more than likely you might want to wait on that decision, that desire that you have. I have one other scripture that's not up there. It was given to me, and I didn't think about it, but it's a really good one. Psalms 37, 4, actually 4 through 7, it says to take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like nobody's sun, or like noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. David called us to take the light in the Lord and to commit everything we have to do to him. But how do we do this? To delight in someone means to experience great pleasure and joy in his or her presence. This happens only when we know that person well and when we have been a faithful friend. Thus, to delight in the Lord, we must get to know him better and be faithful in our relationship with him. How do we get to know God better? We can't look at him face to face. We can't talk to him and ask him questions. But everything about God and about Jesus is in the Bible. It tells from Jesus' birth, which is the very first day he came to earth, until his death and even after his death. Everything that we have to know, every, every little aspect of his character and of his thinking and how he acted on earth is in the Bible. That's all in the New Testament. So if you want to know Jesus and how he was, reading the Old Testament doesn't really help us at, at all, except for some scriptures that talk about him in the future tense. However, God is throughout the whole Bible. In the beginning, God created earth. It's in the very first chapter. Until the very end when it's in Revelations. Every single scripture in the Bible has something about God in it. The certainty of God's great love for us will then indeed give us delight. To commit ourselves to the Lord means to entrust everything, our lives, families, jobs, possessions, to his control and guidance. Now, we can't just say, hey, God, you know, I want you to take control of me. I want you to, you know, tell me how I should live. We also should be praying for our family, our kids, our aunts and cousins. Now, you know, you got cousins that you got in fights with that you don't talk about anymore. Guess what? That's between you guys. That's not between God and him. You should still pray for him. Pray to the Lord that he comes to know God. 
maybe that will get that rift and straighten it out and you'll have that relationship with them. To commit ourselves to the Lord means to trust in Him, believing that He can care for us better than we can ourselves. How many of us have made wrong decisions in our past and then we come back, hindsight, they say hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? We make a decision, we live on that, and then all of a sudden, a couple years later, we're like, man, I really should not have done that. I know most of us men, we think about that a lot after marriage. But no, I'm just playing. We should wait patiently for him to work out what is best for us. God says in the Bible to be patient for our desires. And that's what we have to do. So now I know I probably went a little long, but you got to be patient because Pauline is now going to come up and speak about her vision, and then she has the um, closing application. Thank you. on? Do I have to hold it? Speak right into it. Okay, small crowd, but you know what? That was probably on purpose, but yes, less pressure. I don't have any pressure. No pressure today. I'm not nervous about this. I think I'm more excited that God's using me to, to speak this this morning. Um, that I'm going to start off a little bit about how this began and um, and then let you hear what God gave me. This started a few years back. I, I, I think actually it started, as the more I think about it, it was when I was doing a Bible study with the girls. I think Deb and Melissa and all them guys were in it. And I had this vision, and I can't get this off. You told me I could get it off. I had this vision what it was, but I saw myself up here doing exactly this, and I, I just brushed it off and didn't think nothing of it, and, and I said that was, I was doing a Bible study on, um, I forget her name, like I said, it was, it was, it was a couple years back anyway, and I had this vision, and I just, of me standing here speaking in front of the church, walking back and forth, and I just was like, no, can't be, it's not me, it just must have been something I was thinking about, and I just brushed it off, and then one day I was talking to my daughter, and we were talking about something, and I'd mentioned it to her about it again, and both of us were just unsure about what it was or why I had this vision. And again, I passed it off, and weeks and months went by again, and I was talking to a coworker of mine. And we were talking about God and how God was moving in her church and how God uses people to speak things and do things for other people. And this vision, again, 
months later, came back up in my mind. And as she was talking, I was like, wait a minute. I said, I had this vision. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it was a dream or a vision. And I explained it to her, the same vision that I had. And I'm like, it's crazy, right? And she was like, girl. And, and she's a cancer survivor. Bless her heart. I mean, she is praising God to this day. I mean, she's living for Christ in every way she can. I mean, she was just like, God, God's going to use you, girl. Just wait. She said, you better pray about it. You know, she said, God will give it to you whenever he's ready to give it to you. You know, and she said, he'll let you know what it is. So again, I started praying about it a little bit, you know, here and there every now and then, not constantly, but it would come up again and I would pray about it. And I, and she said to me, and I think I even, when I mentioned, first mentioned it to Hub, I said, you know, you know, about this and they were like, I believe it was my coworker that said to me, if it's of God, you're not going to be anxious or nervous to share with it. It's going to be, it's going to be from God and he's going to give it to you and you're not going to be afraid to share it with, with somebody. So I, I was praying for that and I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to muster this up. I don't want to bring something up on my own of what you want me to say, that you want me to speak up here. I, I want it to be of you and I don't want to be nervous or anxious about it. So, you know, I, I was more praying, I think, not to be nervous or scared any more of what it was about because I knew it was of him and he was going to give me what it was about. So now it's months later, I'm going to say years later now, it was the beginning of the pandemic times when we were having services where Hub was actually speaking and we were listening on podcast and we were meeting out here in the lobby for um, our small groups and we were sharing out there and we started talking again about how God moves in our lives and what God gives us and um, like visions. And Hub had mentioned, does any of you guys ever have it? Did any of you guys ever have a vision, you know, that God have, has given you? And he had shared a time that God showed him and Tiff shared a time that she had. <laughs> wow. And it popped up again. Whoop, there it was. You know, and I was just like, Okay, so I was like, maybe I should share it with everybody. So I shared it with the group that night, and I was like, I don't know where this is coming from, but I saw myself doing this right here in front of the church, and I was like, and it's not me. It's not something that I would do. I, 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 not me. I'm not a speaker. I'm not going to do it. And all of a sudden, Melissa was like, oh, my gosh, Pauline, I had that dream. I saw you standing up front doing that. I don't know what you were speaking, what you were saying, but I saw you doing it. And she was like, Ron, I woke up that morning. Remember I told you the, the dream? And she goes, I saw Pauline. She goes, Pauline, I don't know what you were saying though. But I was just like, and I just like was like, and Hub was like, Pauline, it was confirmed. The, this, is, this is confirmation that God is going to give you something. And you know him, if you have something, let me know when you're going to use it. You know, get, just let me know and you can do it. So again, I started praying about this time, and I got nervous about it a little bit, but then I was just like, nope, if it's truly from God, if it was me, now I know he wants to use me and speak through me, but if it's truly from him, I'm not going to be nervous about it. He's going to give it to me. And that, like I said, was in the beginning of our pandemic times out there. Now, that was how long ago? A year, two years ago already? 
again, I started praying about that, and then it gradually dropped off, and I forgot about it again. And then one night again, we were sitting in our small group night, Tuesday night that we meet up on upstairs with the um, dawn, and we were sharing just a time, and all of a sudden, Dawn shared with us that she was going through a devotion that she was doing, and in the devotion, um, it had an application that I want to share with you all today that fits in with how we can draw ourselves closer to God and um, just a way that we can see and hear and begin to hear what God's desires are and what our desires are. But she was going through this devotion, and it, the application of it was that you are to write things down. Write things down on a piece of paper of what you desire God to do for you, or prayers. We have lots of them, right? Easy to do. List can get long. Pray for my sick friend. Pray for a job that we're doing. Pray for cars that we want. The list can go on and on. It's easy, right, for that side? Now on the other side, they tell us that we're supposed to make a list of what we want to do for God. We can't just keep throwing these things out to God and ask him, do this, do that, and then ignore him and expect these prayers and and things to be answered if we're not giving back to God or hearing from God of what he wants to do for us. It's, it's, it's so much easier when we put these things in writing. You know, we think, oh, I can do this. I, I can go to the grocery store and not write a list. I know that I need butter, milk, and bread, and eggs. And then I get to the store, and I'm like, what was it that I needed? It's the same thing with God. That's what we do. You know, we can give all these prayers and requests to God, but we're, we need to also see what we can do for God, where we can serve in our church, where we can serve people in, 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 in our community or, or things like that. So that's what this list is about. It's to, it's to give us a visual of what we are asking God to do, but then what we can also do for him. So, and, and doing this, it just brings us closer to him. I know myself, when I started giving God more time in the mornings and, and devoting a, a certain time during the day, before I used to like fit in my devotion time and my prayer times and my times that I would seek God. When you start fitting in those times now and you start making time for him and being a quiet time, I, I'm not one of these persons. I can multitask. I'm a multitasker. I, I can do it. But when I want to spend time with God, I don't want to be multitasking and being like, oh, wait. I need to type this up, and, and, you know, I can't do it that way. I need to focus on him. So when I started myself to do this and spend more time with him, my desires began to be, I couldn't wait for that time in the mornings anymore. My, my, my desires changed. I can't wait to see where God wants to use me anymore. I can't wait to see him use me in this church where he wants me to be or at my job or, you know, my desires just began to change. I couldn't wait to get up and, and finish my lunch being packed so I could go in and sit down and read the word and, and, and try to understand what I was getting out of the Bible read or, or, the, or the message that I had the week before. So I, I guarantee you, when you start pulling these things out and you start writing th these things down and, and taking time and, and, and doing it this way, it, it's going to make a difference in your daily living day to day. And, and it's going to bring you closer. Your relationship's going to become closer. 
to him. Um, he'll begin, you'll begin to recognize his voice. Our relationships will be st- stronger. Our faith be- gets stronger. Our, you know, many, um, it says here, I have written, many spiritual relationships teach us to be, to be suspicious of our natural passions because they are likely to be prompted by the world and our fleshly drives. But when we give our lives to Christ, the spirit inside us create, creates a desire of our heart. And Romans 8.5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Our inner desires can express God's deepest purpose in our lives. In two situations, Jesus asked people, what is it you desire? The first time, two of John's disciples were following Jesus, and Jesus turned around and said to them, what do you want? And, and, he, and he didn't ask them that because he didn't know what they wanted, that they were bothering him or anything. He, he just was just wondering why they were following. He wanted them to recognize why they were following him. He wanted them to understand why they wanted to be with him. And even them, they didn't even answer it. All they wanted to, knew, to do was to know where he was going um, because they wanted to be there. You know, that question, it says, it pierced them, that they, they knew that being in his presence is part of that answer that he was asking them. In another situation, two blind men, or, and it says according to Matthew, calls out to Jesus on the road as he was leaving Jericho. Jesus knows the man is blind, but still asks, what do you want for, what do you want for you? He wants us to recognize and understand, acknowledge our de- deepest desires so he can fulfill them. And Psalm 37.4 says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you read that, Josh? That was awesome. When you said that, I was just like, I had that verse and I was going to like read more of it. But when you said that, that was pretty cool. But um, so I just, I just praise God that he, I don't know why he asked me to preach this or say this message and not Dawn because it was her um, Bible read that she was doing and devotion that she was doing. But are you calling out to Jesus this morning or, or in your life right now? And do you want to know where he is? Are you expecting to see answers to answer, you know, your prayers to be answered? Do you long spending time for him? So the application of this message here today is to take time and make that visual list and write your prayer request to ha- you, that you have for him and write it down, what you're doing and the desire for him. And I said, I bet you will begin to look at this and put things into motion and you'll begin to see and feel your relationship just got stronger. And you're getting and moving closer to God. And then it's, I have Galatians 5, 6. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. Thank you very much for letting me share this message with you today. So let's have the band come quickly and the rest of us will stand. Rest of us will stand. Band come quickly, the rest of us will stand. Wake up back there.
First thing I want to say to Josh and Pauline, they were two great words, and they so dovetailed together. That was perfect. That's awesome. Thank you so much. The second thing, and if I could really have your attention, eyeball to eyeball. I don't usually do this, but I had a strong impression to come up here and point out that they're talking about a, a certain kind of life that's different from the world. And there's a way to enter that life. You don't just all of a sudden do that. First, you need to come to know Jesus. First, you need to accept Jesus into your heart. There's a lot of different expressions we use. You need to be born again. You need to come to know him. And I just feel to say, if you're here today and you're not sure that you know him, all of this might not even have made too much sense to you because that's the first step. You need to come to know him. Bible also says that when we don't know him, there's a veil over our eyes and we can't understand spiritual truth. And when we come to know him, he removes that veil, and then we can understand truth. And then what Josh and Pauline shared makes all the sense in the world. If you don't know Jesus or you're uncertain whether you do, will you please hang around and see me after the service or talk to somebody that you trust that can tell you about Jesus? Thank you. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.